Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens and I serve as the pastor here at Cokesbury and I'm delighted that you have decided to join us for worship today, whether you're with us on Facebook or on YouTube or you're listening to this service later. However you're connecting with us, I'm grateful for your presence in these strange ways and in these strange times. We are uh, in the middle of a sermon series here at the church that's not in the Bible. Uh, we are looking at five different common expressions that Christians use that probably probably shouldn't. Today we're looking at God helps those who help themselves. So I'm excited to see what God has to say to us today, whether through prayer or sermon or song. I'm excited to read comments from you about what you think of our worship here, of the sermon, the prayers, the scriptures, the songs, whatever it may be. Uh, thinking about things that are going on in our world and in the life of our church, uh, there are ways that we're trying to continue to connect with our uh, community of faith and as many different ways as we can think of. We're using Facebook and live videos, email devotionals, uh, all sorts of different things. So if you want to know more about our church, you can discover more on our church website or our Facebook page. We have an online bulletin for the service that you can access through one of the links in the video description. It has our scripture and our hymn and our, all those sorts of things that would be pertinent and helpful for the service. It's another way to find out more about what's going on. We're going to continue to offer online worship only uh, until it is reasonably safe, healthy, and faithful for us to reopen our building for in-person worship. And even when we do reopen, though it will be very different than it was before, we will continue to offer online worship for those who feel like they cannot come or those who have started worshiping with us who don't live nearby, so that we continue to have this community of faith uh, even when it's not bound, or so that it's no longer bound by geography. Uh, as I already noted, the, the sort of different Christian expression we're thinking about today is God helps those who help themselves. And whenever I think about that expression, I think about a moment that happened to me here at this church in the first year I was here. Over my right shoulder is uh, the cross, one of the crosses that we have in our sanctuary. And every Good Friday, I take that cross, I put it over my shoulder, and I walk around the town that I'm serving. This year was a little different because of the coronavirus. I actually took it, and I just walked in loops in our parking lot, which was a little different. But my first year here, I took that cross, I went out the doors of our sanctuary, and I went down to Route 1. It's a main thoroughfare right near the church. And I walked up and down Route 1 for about two and a half, almost three hours. And it was kind of strange because, you know, I was wearing all black, and I was carrying a cross, which is kind of a weird thing. And people were making sort of like little hand waves and stairs and all that sort of stuff. There was a, a group of what I think were high school girls who pulled up in a car next to me and they all pulled their phones out and started taking pictures and saying things like, I'm going to put this on my Snapchat or I'm going to put it on my Instagram, which made me feel like a little famous and kind of cool, even though I'm not. Uh, but there was a moment toward the end uh, of my walk where I realized I just really hadn't had many what I would call faithful interactions with people, conversations about Jesus or anything like that, even though I was bringing the, the cross out into the community. And I was walking uh, back down Route 1, coming back toward the church, and there was a car that pulled up right next to me uh, with a husband and his daughter, and they were staring at me very, very slowly on Route 1, and then they pulled ahead of me, pulled in a parking lot, got out of their cars and started walking over, and I thought, Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You've delivered people to me who want to know about Jesus. I'm going to tell them about what Jesus has done for them. It's going to be this incredible moment. I'm going to be able to tell everybody about it at church. And sure enough, this, this father and daughter, they, they come up to me, and I look at them with a smile on my face and this cross on my shoulder. And, and the father said, 
uh, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes, what would you like to know? And he said, um, do you know where the post office is? Do you know where the post office is? Thankfully, the post office is right across the street from the church. So I was able to say, oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually really close by. You just need to keep going down Route 1, turn right up here, and, and you'll see it on your left-hand side. You, you, you can't miss it. You're really close. And he smiled. He said, thank you. And he grabbed his daughter, and, and they got back in their car, and they left. The reason why I think about it is because I wonder, I wonder how they would have reacted if, seeing this stranger carrying a cross, they got out of their car, they came to walk to me, looking for the post office, and instead of giving the directions, I wonder what would have happened if I said, um, excuse me, God helps those who help themselves. I wonder. I wonder how they would have reacted to hearing something like that. Well, that's what we're going to think about today. Whether or not this is an expression we should find ourselves using as a people called church, and perhaps why we probably shouldn't. So with that, let's... Uh, Prepare ourselves for worship in whatever way we see fit. Perhaps close your eyes, relax, find a comfortable posture, and let's just be with the Lord for a few moments of silence. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you might direct our attention to the life of Jesus so that we might see what you would have us be. Make us like him, teachers of your good law. Make us like him, proclaimers of your kingdom. Make us like him, loving of the poor, the outcast, the widowed, the orphaned, the last, least, lost, little, and the dead. Make us like him, silent when the world tempts us to respond in the world's terms. Make us like him, ready to suffer. We know we cannot be like Jesus except as Jesus was unlike us, being your son. Make us, O oh Lord, cherish that unlikeness that we may grow into the likeness made possible by your son's resurrection from the dead. And now, O oh Lord, each of us will lift up to you our own prayers, our joys, our concerns, whether silently or aloud this day. as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our hymn today is number 526 in the United Methodist Hymnal, 
Our hymn is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Uh, Glory Baltimore was able to join me a few weeks ago to record upcoming hymns. So you will see us in a moment over at the drums and the piano, uh, singing and playing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. If you know the words, please join along. Otherwise, you can find them in the online bulletin. This is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A woman was walking down the street one afternoon when all of a sudden the ground fell out from right beneath her and she fell into this giant hole. 
she brushes herself off and realizes that the, the hole's walls are so steep that she can't climb out, so she begins crying out for help. And strangely enough, a doctor happened to be passing by. He was wearing a white lab coat, and he sees this woman in the hole, and she shouts, Hey, I I'm stuck down here. Can you please help me? The doctor thinks about it for a moment. He reaches his hand into his white lab coat. He pulls out a pad of paper. He writes her a prescription, and then he lets it float all the way down into the hole, and he keeps on walking. Later, a preacher came walking along, and the woman saw him, and she starts screaming, Please, please, I'm stuck down here, Reverend. Can you, can you please help me out? I, I really, really appreciate it. He slowly put his hands together in prayer, said a prayer for the woman in the hole, and he kept walking too. Next, a sweet older woman from the local church was fishing up with her Bible study, and she's walking on her way home, and she hears a woman crying, and she looks down, and the, the woman looks up at this old woman, and she says, please, please, can you get me some help? I, I don't know what to do. I've been stuck down here for so long. And the older lady thinks about it for a moment. She says, honey, don't you know God helps those who help themselves? Finally, a friend of the woman in the hole arrives. Hey, it's me down here, she shouts. Can you please, please get me out? And the friend jumps straight down into the hole. And the woman who was stuck down there the whole time says, You idiot! Now we're both stuck down here. But the friend says, Yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. A few years ago, a national poll was published, and it was discovered that more than eight out of every 10 Americans, again, that's eight out of every 10 Americans think God helps those who help themselves is in the Bible. Eight out of every 10. And even more troubling is the fact that more than half of the people who were polled said that they were strongly convinced this is the core message of Scripture. God helps those who help themselves. Well, friends, guess what? That's not in the Bible. The expression itself actually can be traced to Benjamin Franklin in Poor Richard's Almanac in the year 1736. And yet a majority of Americans, including American Christians, believe God helps those who help themselves is straight from the lips of Jesus. Now, of course, there is a tiny, minuscule tiny, tiny fraction of truth in that statement. After all, if we sit around at our dinner tables and we pray for God to rain down manna from heaven, we're probably going to be left empty-handed. But we can eat because God has blessed creation with abundance and the means by which we can procure for food for our tables, whether it's getting produce from our gardens or having employment so that we have money so we can buy food. Likewise, Focusing in school, listening and responding to our spouses, nurturing our children, all sorts of things. They result in the betterment of our lives because we've worked for our lives to be better. However, all of that pales in comparison to how God helps those who help themselves has been used by Christians to avoid our obligations to help others. And the expression in question today actually has far more to do with capitalism than it does with Christianity. In fact... It's rather antithetical to the message of Scripture as a whole because God is a God of deliverance for a people undeserving. People like us. I mean, the actual truth is some people cannot help themselves. Period. Full stop. 
societal discrimination, generational poverty, institutional racism, natural disasters. There's a long list of problems that actually prevent people from helping themselves. Some people, in fact, most people, are in holes so deep with walls so steep that there is no way they'll ever be able to climb out on their own. Food scarcity is a major problem here in Woodbridge where this church finds itself. And as long as I've been the pastor here, and frankly long before I got here, we've, as a church, participated in a food distribution program once a month where huge crowds of people show up just to receive free food. They will often stand in line in the heat of summer and in the cold of winter for hours at a time just for a chance at bringing home a grocery store bag's worth of food. Our local elementary school, it's right across the street, has a majority of students who, when schools are actually open, have free or reduced price lunches. And for many of those students, it's the only reliable food source they have in any given week. Many of them go a whole weekend without eating food until they come to school on Monday. And I lost track a long time ago of how many people have knocked on the main office doors on any given day simply asking for food. Not for money, not for gas, not for anything else, but food. Now, can you imagine if every time someone came to the church looking for food, whether they were looking for it from me or food distribution or whatever, can you imagine if we responded with, um, excuse me, don't you know you're supposed to work on yourself before God will do something for you? How about you come back next week and you show me three different ways how you've made yourself a better person and then maybe, maybe, We'll give you something to eat. Okay, bye, have a nice day. And just for the sake of clarity, food really is everything. You know, a few years ago, another national study was published in which countless researchers looked into what were the best things to do in order to increase education in students across the country. They looked at things like smaller class sizes, access to newer textbooks, different educational models. They went on and on and on. And do you know what they found to be the best indication of increasing education? Food. In the end, they discover it doesn't matter whether students have computers or better textbooks or smaller class sizes. If they don't have access to food, none of those other things make a difference at all. The church, and I mean big C church, cannot shrug off the responsibility to care for the other with the use of yet another trite and cliche non-biblical sentence because God, more often than not, actually commands the people called church to specifically do for the last, least, lost, and little what they can't do for themselves. Just pick up a Bible sometime. Scan through any number of prominent stories from both the Old and the New Testaments. It will become quickly clear how the actual biblical truth is that God helps those who cannot help themselves. Leviticus 23:22. God says, When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field, and don't gather every remaining bit of your harvest. Leave those items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. It's as if God is saying, Look, I know you think those fields belong to you, but they actually belong to me. So quit hoarding up all your food because there are others who need it more than you. My kingdom is bigger than your field. Hosea 6.6, 6, the prophet writes on behalf of God, I desire faithful love and not sacrifice. 
as if God is saying, look, I know you, you think you've got this whole worship thing figured out that as long as you do enough good things for your faith, you sing the right songs, say the right prayers, you're covered. But do you know what I love more than all your singing and all your praising and all your praying? When you actually put your faith into action and you care for the people I care about most. James 1, 27. James implores the early church. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and for widows in their difficulty. It's as if God is saying, look, remember how I delivered you out of slavery in Egypt? Remember how I delivered you out of the bondage to sin and death in the person of Jesus Christ? The kingdom is all about delivering people from a worldly reality to a kingdom reality, and the kingdom, my kingdom, is all about doing things for people who can't do them on their own. You get it? I could go on and on. And you know, I think I will. Just one more. Consider Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000. He's been out teaching and preaching and healing all day in the heat of the sun. And as the day comes to a close, the disciples realize that the people need something to eat. So maybe it would be better for them to just go home. What does Jesus say? Hey, um, everybody gather around. Listen up. This is important. The time has come for you to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. There are no handouts in the kingdom of God. Thanks for coming out. Maybe we'll see you next week. Bye. Or, hey, um, look, I know you're all hungry, but if I give you fish to eat, then you're not going to learn how to care for yourself. So instead, come with me. We're going to go down to the sea. I'll, I'll give you a fishing pole. I'll give you some nets, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for yourselves. No. You know what Jesus says? He looks at his disciples, and he says, you give them something to eat. And when they can only rustle up a few loaves of bread and a handful of fish, Jesus miraculously makes that into a meal for 5,000 plus leftovers. Jesus did for the crowds that day what the disciples and the crowds themselves could not do on their own. Again and again in the New Testament, Jesus connects with brokenness in every community he passes and he brings healing. He sends the abandoned and the forgotten back to the villages that disown them. He feeds and heals and teaches out of the abundant mercy of God. Jesus helps people precisely because they cannot help themselves. Look, I, I don't know what you've got going on in your life right now. I can't even see looks on your faces to know if anything I'm saying is actually connecting. But maybe, maybe you feel like you're in a pit. The life just won't let up. You feel overwhelmed by worry. You're suffocated by your fear, your anxiety. Maybe, maybe you've lost someone you love and every day is a biting and ringing reminder that you're never going to get them back. Or maybe you're struggling with an addiction that no matter how hard you try, you just can't kick it. I don't know what it is you're going through. But we can claw at the walls all we want. We can fashion for ourselves ladders of self-improvement. We can even make promises to ourselves that tomorrow we're finally going to become the best versions of ourselves. But sometimes, in fact, most of the time, the only way out of the hole comes when someone else is willing to jump in and show us the way out. The psalmist puts it like this. I lift mine eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord made heaven and earth. And we lift our eyes to the edge of the pit and we discover, bewilderingly enough, that our help comes from God. God. 
in the person of Jesus Christ is the friend who jumps into the depths of our despair, who never abandons us, even when we go off assuming we can do it all on our own, thank you very much. Jesus, who humbles himself to the humiliating status of humanity just to be born into this broken world of ours. That's who comes to help us. And that's the whole point. God helps those who can't help themselves. And so, too, we do the same for others because that's what God did and what God does for us. God was born into the world, a fragile child, into the deepest pit of fear and terror for a couple all alone in the world. God went to the margins of society in Christ Jesus, sinking lower and lower just to be with the abandoned, the neglected, and the forgotten. God chose the broken and the battered to dwell among in order that, in the end, they would be delivered from their miserable estate. God even went to the depth of death just to bring each and every one of us to the other side of salvation. And God did this and does this without cost. The grace of God made manifest in Jesus Christ is not something we can earn or buy or even work for. To put a finer point on it, we, can't, we cannot help ourselves into grace. Grace is something done to us and for us. Jesus jumps right into the hole next to us, and he shows us the way out. God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps. And so I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, grant to us, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we, who cannot exist without you, may be enabled to live according to your will, to help others who can't help themselves, knowing that's exactly what you have done for us. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us together even in these strange times and these strange ways, God has proclaimed God's word to us and we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, doing for others what they can't do for themselves, but also with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to consider giving to this church, to Cokesbury United Methodist Church for its ministries, to continue to be a, a haven of blessing and peace, to participate in things like I mentioned earlier, the food distribution that happens in our church once a month, to be a source of hope in a community that is filled with hopelessness. You may give online. There uh, is a link in the video description that will enable you to do that. You can send a check through the mail to the church, or you can, if you live locally, come by the church and bring your offering. We have a drop slot by the main office doors. But give. Give with glad and generous hearts, knowing that those gifts will be used by God in this place to be a blessing for others, particularly those who need it most. Another way we would like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using something like the Apostles' Creed, which is what we are going to do now. You can find these words printed on the online bulletin, so please join me in affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Each week that we've been offering online worship only, I've also been trying to think of other imaginative ways for us to respond to God's word in the time between Sundays. Uh, this week, I'm offering for us the practice of humility. One of the most difficult things in the world is often asking for help uh, and then receiving it. And yet it need not be. And perhaps it is so difficult to ask for help because we've been conditioned into believing that God helps those who help themselves. And therefore, we foolishly believe that every little thing is entirely up to us. The strange new world of the Bible relentlessly reminds us of the actual truth that God helps those who cannot help themselves. So this week, in a practice of, frankly, humility, recognizing there are times when we do need God to help us through other people, I encourage all of us, everybody who's watching, participating, myself included, to reach out to someone for help. You know, perhaps we've come into financial hardship because of the pandemic and we need assistance or advice, or maybe we've been far too isolated from others because of COVID-19 and we're starved for human interaction. Maybe we've lost sight of what is good and right and true and we need someone to remind us. Maybe we just need masks because we've run out or we don't have one. Whatever the thing is, reach out to someone this week and ask for help. Reach out to someone this week and ask for help. And should you be in a position where you don't need any help at all, a truly rare occurrence these days, reach out to someone you know who might need help and offer it to them. We live in a world in which we cannot make it on our own. The church, it exists as a cure for that kind of suffering. So then let us live into the reality of Jesus' body by being helped or by being the help for and by others. And with that, I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see, know, and believe that the truth of Scripture, the truth of the strange new world of the Bible, the truth of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is that God helps those who can't help themselves. That's why the good news is so good. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to joining uh, together with you again next week for the continuation of our sermon series, That's Not in the Bible. And until then, be well and go in peace. Amen. Okay.